This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down, end zone, touchdown, touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are, Raider Nation, back in the home studios, 2 o'clock on the dot. Demond Cotton, your boy Q, unnecessary roughness in your ear hole for the next couple hours. Some good guests to get to on today's show, some good conversation to have on today's show, and uh, getting excited about another opportunity to see the Raiders back in action as they will be uh, holding it down in Cincinnati. It's going to be a cold game, but it's a playoff game. And it's funny, as we were at the Oyo yesterday for uh, the national championship game, shout out to the Georgia Bulldogs, by the way. <laughs> I can't get right. I mean, let's let's just go ahead and take a side note real quick. I can't get right, Damon. It's the SEC championship game. I say, Georgia Bulldogs, they're going to give Alabama the business. Then national championship game, Alabama, they're going to get back what's rightfully theirs, that I uh, disrespected them during the SEC championship game, and Georgia gave them the, the business. So there you go. You were just right at the wrong time. It seems like the story of my life, right at the wrong time. That's what I'm gonna tell. That's what I'm gonna tell somebody next time I say something. They're gonna say, "Oh, Q, you're wrong." No, I'm just right at the wrong time. That's there you all. go. I like that. I like that. That's a that's a good one, right? But yeah, there. but everybody. That's what that's for everybody though, because everybody's thinking that. Right. Got to prove it against Alabama. Right. I'll believe it once you beat Alabama. I'll tell you what, though, man, that was a hell of a game. I did enjoy it, and I and I want to shout out to Raider Nation that came out to uh, the Oyo last night. Uh, again, we're always there for Monday Night Football, and that was obviously a national championship game, so it was the collegiate game. But man, there was a hell of a, a of a showing, man. So everyone who came out, we had a really good time. Uh, definitely appreciate that, and we'll be back there again. Next Monday, and we'll do it for a wild card weekend. I mean, this is the first time that there's actually a playoff game on a Monday night, and it's going to be a, a lot of fun. So we'll do it again next Monday at the Oyo. But shout out to everyone who came out again, man. I had a lot of fun. Uh, there was some, there were some funny dudes there, man. There were some funny dudes. What do you mind. mean by that? I'm about to tell you. <laughs> and it wasn't us. It was. I mean, we had a big group of folks that were watching the game and having a good time. But there was a cat who rolled in. No, no joke. He rolled into the the spot right into Oyo to the underground lounge and he was amped man he was wired to the t right this dude had a jaws t-shirt on and he comes in talking about georgia 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 you know he's screaming and so you know me i see an opportunity to light the fire a little bit more so i first thing immediately do is notice his jaws shirt so i was like what's up jaws i'll see that jaws t-shirt you know me no inside voice at all so i'm i'm yelling what's up jaws he comes running up to me. That's right. That's right. Hey, he's got his camcorder out. I ain't even seen a camcorder in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't know if I was on the strip or where I was. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know where I was. Got My man had a camcorder. He's filming everyone, and he's, he's amped, right? He's wired to the T. And then about, I don't know, a quarter into the game, something happens good for Alabama, and he's like, Alabama. And everyone looks at me and goes, I thought he said, I thought he said Georgia. And so then at that point, we realized that he really didn't have a team. He was just wired to the T. And when I mean wired to the T, I don't know what was going through his veins, but it wasn't just the normal substances that go through your veins. Like, he was amped up. Not here for a good time. No, not here for a long time. Here for a good time. Yeah, yeah.
He was having a good time. Trust and believe that. And then there was an OG sitting at the table that was more sleeping at the table than he was sitting. But uh, he was there. He was he was in his own zone, too. And I think he had, like, a Steelers hoodie on. But I don't even know if he knew what Pittsburgh was. I mean, he was he was that far gone. But it was fun. It was fun to people watch. <laughs> I don't know if you people watch, but I like to people watch. Yeah, you were definitely people watching. You shouting out, is that Brandon Staley live on the show? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It did look like him, though. It uh, did. Yeah, I know, yeah. No, you, it did. Because you definitely said it yesterday. Yeah. yeah, it did. It looked like Brandon Staley was walking through the oil and he was about to make a bad decision, like go for it on fourth and one from the 18, <laughs> from his 18. But it was a good time, man. It really was. And so that that's that's the kind of stuff I live for, man, the opportunity to be able to hang out and see some stuff like that. And uh, actually, Fabian, our good friend Fabian, sent me a video a little bit later. My dude that was amped up in his Jaws shirt literally ran towards the TV. I mean, he took off running towards the TV on the wall to celebrate some kind of play that happened. And I remember I saw him do that once, and I said, oh, that's going to end bad. And so I knew my night was going to I knew my night was gonna get wrapped up pretty quickly when I saw that. And I just imagined how his night got wrapped up. So uh, Being I, escorted out of the premises. I left a little bit before anything else could happen, but Fabian did send me a video of him running up towards the TV, and I thought, oh, no. Hey, man, you know the old saying, you break, you buy? I can only imagine. But we had a good time, so. Uh, if you missed all those shenanigans, you need to come on out, hang out with us, because we do we do a big at the Oyo each and every Monday night, and uh, next Monday will be the last one we do as uh, football season and Monday night football will be getting wrapped up. So uh, come on out and hang out with us on Monday night. I also have something I'm going to tell you about uh, later on in the hour, about 2.45, I'll tell you about uh, that we're going to do on Saturday, Saturday morning in preparation for the Bengals and Raiders playoff game. I was actually going to go to Cincinnati, and the plans have changed. So I'm not going to go to Cincinnati after all. So it's not going to be 28 degrees where I'm at. <laughs> It'll be 28 degrees where they're at, but not where I'm at. So we'll tell you all about that coming up at 2.45. But I did want to tell you about the guests that we have coming up on the show today as it is go time. You know, we're turning the page. Uh, the Raiders' victory over the Chargers was nice, and we'll, of course we'll, we'll reference it. We'll talk about it throughout the course of the week, but we're turning the page onto the playoffs. The first playoff game the Raiders have uh, had since 2016, so it's time to give some attention to it. So at 2.30, Ben Baby from ESPN, he'll join the show to talk all things Cincinnati Bengals, and we'll do this a couple times. Normally, I just talk Bengals, or I'll talk to opponent maybe on Wednesday or Thursday of the week, and that'll be it. But as this is a playoff game, we're going to do we're going to talk to multiple guys that cover the Cincinnati Bengals and just get different perspectives and different angles to, to break down this game uh, in preparation for it coming up on Saturday. So Ben Baby will start us off uh, at 2.30 from ESPN. Does a fantastic job. I actually know Ben when he used to cover Texas A&M uh, back in the day when I was still at ESPN Central Texas. So I used to talk to Ben all the time. Uh, he was covering the Aggies. Now he's covering the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll catch up with him at 2.30. Then at 3 o'clock, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. He's our normal Tuesday guest. We'll talk all things NFL with him. We'll talk about the Raiders winning four in a row, getting to the playoffs, what it's like. Because we've been talking with John for a while saying, hey, it could very easily come down to week 18. And then it did come down to week 18. And he said, hey, you know, I think that the Raiders are going to win that game and get to the playoffs. Well, here we are. You know, got to ask him about that Staley tweet, too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The one where he said you got to have common sense, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just big up him on. Yeah, just like, let's let's just talk about it for a good two, three oh, minutes. Oh, no, John John has no problem talking about yeah. that. He has no problem talking about that. And I know any chance you get to knock the bashing a, continues. The bash daily when you can, <laughs> you will. So we'll talk all things NFL. We'll kind of preview 
the uh, the playoffs as well with John and get some storylines. Black Monday came and went. About five different uh, teams got rid of their head coach. So we'll talk about that, including the Miami Dolphins. I was very shocked that Brian Flores was let go, but uh, there he is. He's out there and about, and, and he's already starting to interview for other jobs. So I know the Chicago Bears are interested in him. So uh, we'll talk all things NFL with John McClain coming up at 3 o'clock. And then we'll close things out with Deontay Lee from Pro Football Focus, host of the Too High podcast. He does a great job, and he joins us every once in a while. He The last time we talked to him, what were we talking to him about last time? It was a preview for the college football playoffs. Oh, for the playoffs, not yeah. the championship game. That's right. It was college football playoffs. Well, we're going to recap the national championship game with Deontay Lee. Plus, I'll also get his thoughts on uh, the high-flying attack of the Cincinnati Bengals, Jamar Chase, Higgins, all those cats that they have out there, what they're going to do, and, and how the Raiders need to go about defending them. Who, And I think, in my opinion, just my opinion, did a pretty good job defending them the first time they played them. They played him at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, it just got away from him at the end of the game. But I thought for the most part, the Raiders defense did a good job slowing them down. And then once the offense really couldn't step up and hold their end of the bargain up, then all of a sudden the wheels came off. It's going to be tough with those three receivers. So it is going to be nice it to is. Get from Ben and Deontay right. getting some perspective on how the Raiders can maybe even hold them, contain them. Well, and you know, and JT pointed this out earlier, Joe Mixon hasn't been all that lately. He hasn't had a 100-yard game since November. Just saying. You know, but it's going to be cold. It's going to be snowy. It's January. Teams like to lean on the run game. Maybe Joe Mixon will be a bigger factor. But, again, that's all stuff we'll talk to Ben Baby about at 2.30. We'll also talk to Deontay Lee coming up at 3.30. So, with all that being said, now it's time for us to jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So every day, you know, I like to bring a topic to the table for the Salmon Ash text line at 69187 and also the Raider Nation listener line 702-365-9200. And as I was thinking about different elements of this game and I was thinking about different elements of this team, both last night and this morning, I started to think, what is the most improved area of this team? Over the course of the four-game winning streak, what has improved the most? And the first thing that stood out to me was the run game and what Josh Jacobs has been able to do. And so I immediately thought, okay, yes, I want to give credit to, the, to Josh Jacobs for being able to run tough and, and get some big yards and, and be able to run you know, and, and pick up the, the much-needed yards uh, when the Raiders really need it the most. But then it led me to the offensive line and the way that they've been able to open up some holes for him to run. So, yeah, Josh is running strong. Of course, he's banged up, but he's out there. He's doing his thing. He's really picked up a lot of yards. If you notice, he's up to 800-something yards rushing for the season where he was at like 500-something just a few weeks ago. You know, so if you think about the yards that he has rushing and what he's picked up receiving this season, I mean, he's well over 1,000 yards from scrimmage. Now, it's not Jonathan Taylor numbers, but it's still not a bad season. Given all that he's kind of gone through and, and just being banged up quite a bit, he's still putting in a hell of a season and he's getting hot, I want to say, at the right time. We talk about teams getting hot at the right time. Josh Jacobs is really starting to get a lather going at the right time. And you can see it and you can hear it. And Damon, you were in the in the postgame media session. You were passing the microphone around, making sure everyone stayed on point. Josh just when he starts talking, I almost get motivated when he starts talking because it feels like he's out. He, he's speaking with a purpose. Not just he's not just answering questions, but he's answering those questions with a purpose. I feel like he's talking to to you guys. Like when he's answering those questions, he's talking to you the same way he's talking to his offensive line. Right. 
Like, that's the same way I feel like he's talking to those guys in the locker room on the sidelines when he's like, yo, he's trying to get going. When he said a few games ago, right. he's always motivating people. Even when, like, the running game wasn't going well a few weeks back, mm-hmm. he's still motivating those guys. Like, hey, man, like, this is this is a chance. This next one, this next one. Right. All that stuff. I feel like that's why I love him so much because he's talking real to everybody. Right. You know, he he's is. not sugarcoating it. No, he's not. And he's 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 a fun player, and I think he's a player that is much needed for this team, you know, and I even asked him the question about that 2019 draft class and, you know, how, how much important it is for him not only to get things turned around, but also that leadership. And that's something that him, Max, Hunter, all those guys in 2019 class have really attempted to do. So uh, I know statistically he hasn't had the greatest numbers. He's been banged up, hasn't played in every single game. But, man, I just feel like at right now he's really doing some nice things when the Raiders need it the most, and they're going to need that run game. Like I said, the Bengals are probably going to lean on the run game. On Joe Mixon, I think Josh Jacobs, you're going to have to lean on him as well in a major way. And look, I don't know if it's going to be the second half. It doesn't necessarily have to be all four quarters. But like he said, he's a closer. If he needs to go in there and close it, go on in there and get your clothes on. You know, go on in there and, and, and do the your best Mariano Rivera uh, impersonation you can. Close the door. And that's what he was able to do on Sunday against the Chargers. And that, if the Raiders want to continue to play, they're going to have to have a lot of success on the ground, I do believe. And exactly when you mentioned the question, we're like, what's been the most improved? I'm going to say the run defense mm-hmm. because the the Bengals okay. that, that pass That's a game, good point. they had 160 rushing yards. So this pass defense giving up 18 yards, 60 yards, where it's just they, right. they've been they've been stifling teams down these and past even, four games. Even when they gave up 100 plus yards to Jonathan Taylor and the Colts, it hey, didn't feel like league. it. But it didn't feel like it, right? Also, yeah, you, yeah, you say that because it, yeah, it didn't feel like it. But when you look at the box score, and it, you, it's one of those you got to chalk up. Right. Well, he is the best in the he league. He is the best in the league, but it didn't feel like it was 100 plus yards that that hurt the Raiders. It just looked like he he collected stats. And sometimes the stats could be deceiving. Like there, matter of fact, in that game, Josh Jacobs had 63 yards. I thought Josh's 63 yards were actually more effective and meant more for the success of the team than Jonathan Taylor's 100 plus yards. And I know someone right now, some math whiz, is like, "That doesn't make any sense, Q. That's impossible." Not really, because you can pick up yards that really just don't end up mattering. A lot of quarterbacks do it at the end of games. They pick up what I call garbage time. And I'm not saying Jonathan Taylor did anything garbage time. At all. Don't get that twisted because that game was, you know, it was a a relatively close game. Of course, we all know that. We know how it shook out. But it just didn't feel like those yards were as effective as Josh Jacobs' yards. Again, he had more statistical numbers. So that's the question I have for you. What has been the most improved part of this Raiders team over the course of this four-game winning streak that they're on that helped project them and get them into the playoffs? Mailman Raider hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Talking O-line, a lot of Josh's runs is being behind is being ran behind Andre James. Andre has improved so much from the start of the season. I can imagine when he gets multiple seasons starting, he could potentially be a top center. And, you know, we've talked about Andre James for a few weeks now. And his PFF numbers have continued to grow and grow and grow. So you're right, Mailman Raider. Uh, Andre James has done a really good job. And the thing about it is it's hard to... Just single out one guy on the offensive line, even though he's been doing a really good job, because that offensive line has to be a cohesive unit. So if Leatherwood and Parker and Simpson or whoever's out there and, and Colton Miller can catch up to what Andre James is doing as far as his progression, the offensive line could end up being a pretty nasty unit. But as long as you have a hole or two, a couple suspect spots. You're only as good as the as your weakest link, right? Isn't that what they say? You're only as good as your weakest link. 
So that means a guy like Leatherwood has got to continue to develop. And and now that Andre James is, is really starting to catch fire at that center position, the rest of the guys got to catch up. And like you said, it just comes over time, like this offensive line, you know. I know that people see that, oh, this guy's as a rookie, he's a pro bowler. But sometimes for some players it just takes a little longer, and they're hitting that stride at the right time. Right. So that's all that matters at the end of the day. Right, no doubt about it. Uh, got another text on the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword r Watching Georgia beat Alabama last night after what Alabama did to them in the SEC championship game gives me hope that the Raiders could beat anyone now. I can see that. I can see that. And, you know, the funny thing about watching that game last night, I know people get so tired of the SEC, SEC, and they're always pounding their chest that they're the best conference. Well, they pound their chest because they're the best conference because they are the best conference. I mean, bottom line, I was watching some dudes out there that were so damn fast. Everybody had speed. I mean, you want to talk about what the deciding factor was between those two teams last night? Georgia's speed was better than Alabama's speed. It's just as simple as that. I mean, they, those guys were flying around the field. They have speed on top of speed on top of speed. Hell, Kirby Smart looked fast running down the sideline. <laughs> get down, get I down. Don't know, I don't know. Did you see him jump out the yeah, gym? I, seen that, I saw the steal. Yeah, Yo, yeah, yeah. He looked like he was about to throw it down two-handed. It's just something different, man. They just cut a little different. Them boy, them boy, you know them boys, they build dipping down, Sal. <laughs> That's all that is. Oh, damn. Cornbread fed. That's what that is. Uncle Willie just made another appearance on the show. You know them boys, they, they built different down there. <laughs> That's all that is. Uh, we got this one text uh, on the Sam and Ash text line. I understand what Q is saying about Taylor because close to 50 yards of that 100 yards came off of two runs. There you go. That's a good point. You can you, you Those stats could be deceiving. You know, it, it, they could be, they could deceive you. Be deceptive. Whatever word I'm looking for. Whatever D word I'm looking for. <laughs> Uncle Willie in the studio's got me throwing off now. 702-365-9200. Who we got up first? Uncle Willie. North Carolina. <laughs> what up, my man? Welcome to the show. Thank you. How you doing? Good, man. <laughs> um, uh, to answer your question and um, about, you know, positions uh, that are stepping up, I think the safeties are doing very well, even with the absence of uh, jo- um, Jonathan Abram. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Morig and... Just all the guys in the safeties, you know, Deion Diablo, a lot of these guys just, just showing up. And, like, I haven't really felt a void, honestly. Like, even Levitt's been out there uh, making some plays. You know, that's, that's one thing I'm, I'm, I've been seeing that's um, been uh, pretty consistent. You don't, you don't really see the big plays. I, I just don't see them anymore like how I used to um, at the beginning of the season. Okay. And, um, and um, one thing about um, just um, – that's just mostly what I've mostly seen, but – Maybe that, that's just my view. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just biased, but I, I feel like the, the safety position has really, really stepped up. Okay, I like it. I like it. Good stuff, my man. Good stuff. Appreciate you. And, you know, I like uh, I like Teamer. I like Teamer out there. You mentioned the safety position, and he's kind of playing that Jonathan uh, Jonathan Abram role. There was a reason why they wanted to keep Teamer around. If you remember going back to training camp when he got into that, well, he was one of the main guys that started the scuffles in, in Rams training camp when the Raiders were scrimmaging with them, and then they decided to keep him over Carl Joseph, and a lot of Raider Nation thought, what are you doing? What are you doing? Just gave away a million dollars. You just gave away a first-round pick, a former first-round pick. That's why. Roderick Teamer, he's, he's got a little something, little edge to him that, that Gus Bradley likes. He's familiar with Gus Bradley's scheme, so he, you know, he, they, they wanted to keep him around. And I know he was banged up for most of the season, but he's done a n- nice job filling in for Jonathan Abrams since he's been out, uh, and he's out for the rest of the season. I still, It's funny, I still got people that hit me up during the game like, hey, I don't see Jonathan Abrams. Where's he at? It's like, he's out for the season. But consistently, I get hit up every single game with someone asking me about Jonathan Abrams, where he's at. It's just, I guess it's kind of easy to get – Caught up in the shuffle and forget that he's out for the season, but uh, it is what it is. Got a text from Rob in Oakland. Q, Jonathan Taylor's yards were 
Uh, not of consequence. They were the type of yards that control or break open a game. It's like a basketball player that scores a quiet 20 points. I could agree with that. I, could, I, I like how everyone's got a breakdown for what it was. Because, I mean, and that was, but that's the thing. They weren't the most effective 100-plus yards. And so, to your credit, like you were saying, the Raiders' rush defense has been doing a really good job over the stretch when they needed to slow down the run. We talked about all the teams. Cleveland was going to try to run the rock. The Colts were going to try to run the rock. The Chargers were going to try to run the rock. I mean, they, they, that's what they wanted to do. They, all these teams that the Raiders have, have defeated in their four-game winning streak have wanted to run the ball, and the Raiders have found ways to do it. The Broncos, they held them to 18 yards. 18 yards. Javante Williams, how do you let that happen? Right. Man, Vic Vangio. Writing was on the wall. Well, I'll tell you, Vic Fangio's a damn good defensive coordinator. I never thought he was a good head coach, but he's a damn good defensive coordinator. So we'll see where he ends up. Someone's going to pick him up this offseason, but that's not for the Raiders to have to worry about. Uh, let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Talking about Georgia. How about Malcolm in Georgia? What's on your mind, my man? Welcome to the show. Yeah, hi. Thank you for having me. Yes, I just sir. wanted to say I'm just so happy that Georgia won yesterday over at Bama. I had them winning all the way anyways. Everybody knew it coming in. Uh, the SEC championship game was a fluke. Uh, I just wanted to say that for all you Bama fans, how about uh, how about a uh, roll tide, huh? Roll tide. <laughs> <laughs> and I also, I just also wanted to say, Q, uh, you're running a great show over there, Demond Cotton. Uh, I know the guy. He, I know he works for the Raiders. I just wanted to say, you did a hell of a job this year, man. Keep it up, man, and work hard. There and, it is. Uh, that's it. Hey, good stuff, man. Appreciate you. Good stuff, right hey, there. Appreciate you, man. <laughs> I was just, Look, Devon was all surprised. You, that, you hear the surprise in Devon's voice? Oh, really? At first, I thought he was just a George fan. I was like, how do you even find Raider Nation Radio? Thought he was just calling in to be like, hey, man, I'm a Dogs fan. I ain't mad at him. <laughs> I ain't mad at him. And you know what? The thing about it is, what he's saying about Georgia, I was saying weeks ago, right? I was saying, man, Bama just you ain't got it. You lost a little faith. You lost a little faith. I did lose faith. I lost faith in myself. Because I picked Georgia to, to to roll over Alabama in the SEC championship game. And I I sat there and watched it and I kept saying, I can't believe this is happening. And so then last night I said, well, I ain't going to make that mistake again. And matter of fact, Lee Sterling on our show, Locked on Bets, had it a level three lock, which is the highest you can get. A level three <laughs> lock that Georgia was going to win the game, right? And I even questioned him. You can go back and listen. It's on the podcast. I even went back and said... Oh, I ain't going to do that again. I'm going to have to sit this one out. <laughs> but Q was a level three lock. <laughs> I mean, apparently. Hey, hey, man, that's that's the real deal. Well, Lee called in on Friday. Remember, we had him on. He was talking about the Raiders and Chargers. He said the Raiders are going to win straight up, even though they were three-point underdogs. Hey, man, look, this dude's got uh, places in Miami. He's got places in Vegas. He's he got places in money. Utah. He ain't got places all over the world for no reason. He making that money. I'm just saying. Y'all better get y'all, y'all better get on game. I'm just saying. He'll be back on Friday. 702-365-9200. Who got in the, up next? Come on, man. How could you forget? I'm asking you who we got up next. I already told you and I forgot. <laughs> so you trying to blame it on me. Okay. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. Why don't you go on and check, man? I didn't write it down. I was talking. Gosh. This guy trying. <laughs> how you trying to blame It's Raider it? Don. Well, why didn't you say so? Raider Don, what's on your mind? Hey, man, I just wanted to say, you know, first off, that was one great game on Sunday. Uh, I couldn't make it, but, man, watching from my home, my whole family was so hyped. Teamer, like you said, he's he's stepping into that role. Like, uh, mm-hmm. he, he made some mistakes. Like, I was watching the breakdowns on the Colts game. He was making some mistakes, but – he made some really big plays coming in Sunday, and I was like, man, that, that man, he stepped up to the role. He stepped up to what he needed to do. And just being being a Raider fan my whole life was just, it was mind-blowing. 
But what I really wanted to come and say was this season has been absolutely crazy. Uh, I know, like, they dubbed our, our stadium the Death Star, but one thing I always hated about that is the Death Star always blows up in the movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. We are pirates, man. That is the Black Pearl. It is a shiny Black Pearl in the middle of the desert. When the Wicked Wentz sunk in Pirates of the Caribbean, Davy Jones rose <laughs> the Black Pearl from his locker, which is a desert. I like it. It is the Black Pearl. It is the Black Pearl to me, to everyone I talk to whenever I go to the games. I'm like, this is the Black Pearl. I'm like, I want to tell Raider Nation that, now we can't can't use the Death Star anymore because we're not going to implode in our season. Our season started off, it sunk. We lost our head coach. We lost our number one receiver. It is time for us to rise from the death like the Black Pearl in Davy Jones' locker in the desert. We are the Pirates. We are Raiders. Let's go Silver and Black. I like it. Hey, good stuff right there. And I'll say personally, I mean, I was never a Star Wars guy anyway, so Death Star never meant anything but to me. But I know dang well you were the Pirates of the Caribbean guy. But Davy Jones, isn't he a monkey? Wasn't Davy Jones part of the monkeys? No, seriously. I'm asking a real question. Wasn't Davy Jones part of the monkeys? Hey, you might know better than me on this one. Yeah, you don't know, hey, hey, we're the monkeys. People think we're monkey around. We're just, you don't know that? That ain't my type of music. Oh, as you have a Nashville hat on. <laughs> <laughs> I that's mean, you a, have a Nashville hat on and you have a shirt on with a wolf. This is Alaska. Okay, I'm exactly, I'm but that's not 50. your kind of music. I'm representing all 50 today. Okay, so what you're doing is you're you're showing that you're a man of the people and you're a man of the earth, but yet the monkeys ain't ain't your ain't your bag. Davy Jones had all the ladies back in the day. You better do some research. Google them, homeboy. 225 is the time. Let's go out to Fargo Raider real quick, and then we'll take a break. What's on your mind, Fargo Raider? Hey, Q and Demond, my guys, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to start off by addressing the last guy. I get I get what he's saying because there was a little weakness in both the Death Stars that got them blown up. But we can't forget that the Black Pearl sank, man. You know? So if we're gonna <laughs> I don't know about the Black Pearl weapons, either. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> yeah, man, the Black Pearl sank. That's why Davy Jones had to get it out the locker. Okay, but well, hey, let break. me ask you this, though. Hold on. Before we go any farther, wasn't Davy Jones from the Monkees? I don't know, man. He's talking I'm about the Pirates of the Caribbean. He's a pirate. He could be a – you think a, a, a musician can't be an actor too? Yeah. He's, he's not a real oh, pirate. He's like an actual actor. It's a TV show. Jeez, Damon. <laughs> and I think the, the, the most improved is the interior line. They improved um, throughout these last games. And feeling that interior edge, which was one of our biggest crutches, I thought, because QB, QBs were stepping up in the pocket and escaping through the center. And it was one of my biggest pet peeves, you know? Mm-hmm. And we I, we forget, but we lost McCoy early and now Phylon, and, the, and they have continued to improve regardless of that. Right. But I think that's that's got to be the one. Thank you for taking my call, Q. Thank you, my man. I do appreciate you. Good stuff. See, you're uh, trying to get your voice back, man. You're trying to get your voice back. I'm not mad at that. We're going to take a quick break. Before we do, I do want to give you a couple Raider roster updates real quick. They just t- tweeted out that they've activated linebacker Markel Lee and defensive tackle Kendall Vickers from the reserve COVID-19 list. They designated linebacker Nicholas Morrow for return from reserve injured list. Uh, they placed defensive tackle Darius Phylon on the reserve injured list. He's out for the season and released linebacker Will Compton. And then they also signed defensive lineman Isaiah Bugs, tight end Daniel Helm, and linebacker Justin March Lillard to the practice squad, and then released wide receiver Javon Wims and linebacker Asmar Bilal from the practice squad. So a little bit of updates on the Raiders roster. 227 is the time when we get come back. We'll talk some Cincinnati Bengals. Ben Baby from ESPN. He'll join the show. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. 
That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. It's Unnecessary Roughness. So would you have punted if if you hadn't got that big run? I don't know. Didn't happen. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. There's always about six to eight head coaches that get fired on Black Monday or shortly after. We'll add another to the lineup as the New York football giants have let Joe Judge go. Just reported from Ian Rappaport and uh, Adam Schefter and others. So uh, Joe Judge is out in New York. They need a head coach as well. So uh, we'll talk about head coaches that are out and different moving and shaking a little bit later. Right now on the phone lines from ESPN.com is our good buddy Ben Baby. And Ben, thank you so much for your time. And man, it's been a, it's been a while since we caught up with each other, but uh, I appreciate you. How's everything going in Cincinnati? How fired up is the fan base for this uh, playoff game coming up on Saturday? Hey, Q, you know, it's always a pleasure to be on with y'all. And it's a little colder than back when uh, we're used to when we were in Texas. <laughs> you know, right now, Cincinnati's about as hot as it can be, right? You know, at, at the moment with Joe Burrow and kind of what this team is doing. Bengals with their first playoff berth since 2015. So, right now, the city's buzzing, and, and they're getting a the hot Raiders team as well. So, this should be a really good one on Saturday. Yeah, no, it should be uh, very exciting. Of course, Raider Nation's all fired up as well about the opportunity to see the Bengals in the in the playoffs. And, you know, for the team in the city, I mean, it's been 31 years since the Bengals have actually won a playoff game. That goes all the way back to 91. What is that being talked about a lot throughout the course of this week leading up to the game, or is that just kind of a, a side note? Oh, no, it's definitely, listen, the fact that the Bengals haven't won a playoff game since basically the entire team was alive, uh, that is a, a very, uh, that's a noticeable point around the city. It's actually, there's, there's a, it's the infamous curse of Bo Jackson. Right. For those who don't know, Bo Jackson played his final game against the Bengals, and since that game, the Bengals have not won a playoff game. So uh, the Bengals are looking to break the curse, uh, whatever that curse may mean. Uh, you know, it, it's, been, it's been talked about over the last few years, but I think that the, the team is very aware of the history. And, you know, Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor have made it a point saying, you know, we know, we understand kind of the, the, the playoff history and the lack of victories, but, you know, this is the 2021 team, and I think they feel like they've got a, they've got a team that can really make a run in a wide-open AFC. It really is. I mean, it's been crazy just to see how, how the AFC has navigated all year long, and no one has really just separated as the best team in the AFC. And so I wanted to ask you about how this team has been able to come together and gel, especially offensively. We know Joe Burrow. We know Jamar Chase. We know there's a bunch of weapons, but it doesn't always gel as quickly as it seemed like it did for Cincinnati. What has been the biggest reason for that success? Yeah, you know, I think the the Bengals have done a really good job of kind of waiting until Joe Joe Burrow has finally felt comfortable in the pocket. And when the Bengals played the Raiders the first time this season, they they opted to really run the ball and, and pound the rock and see what Joe Mixon would be able to do. And that meant a lot of unproductive runs in the first half. But eventually, they felt like you know, like Zach Taylor said after the game, the dam was going to break, and it eventually did. Well, you know, this team now, you know, almost nine weeks later. You know, it's a vastly different team, and I think that when you see how the Bengals close the regular season by, you know, Joe Burrow setting the franchise record with 525 passing yards hmm. in Baltimore, and then going out and beating Kansas City in, in a, you know, you know, in a gunslinging game, the type of game that Kansas City usually wins, you know, it shows that there's an offensive evolution that's occurred in Cincinnati. Now, the big question is going to be, you know, how are they going to um, attack with, with the 
Raiders defensive line that has Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby, uh, who went to my high school, Carnival Heritage, and he's been having a phenomenal year and has earned a ton of praise. Zach Taylor called him one of his favorite players in the NFL. So, you know, the Bengals are going to want to try to drop back and keep doing, um, you know, putting Joe Burrow in the pocket and, and seeing what he can do through the air. They're going to take the risk of taking some hits from Ngakwe and, and, and Crosby and that Raiders front seven. So I think the Bengals are going to have to be measured, but all in all, they've done a good job of figuring out what they can do on offense, and now they feel like they're versatile enough to do just about anything. Talking all things Bengals right now with Ben Baby from ESPN.com here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And uh, you mentioned Joe Mixon and, and the run game and how they were really trying to dedicate themselves to the run against the Raiders. He he ran for over 100 yards against the Steelers, and that was late November. That was the last time he did that. Is the lack of production from him as far as 100-yard games or whatever, is that more just because they're so much more comfortable with throwing the rock, or do they feel like they need to throw the rock uh, because Joe Mixon is just not getting it done or that offensive line is not open? up holes. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's been any concern over Joe Mixon's productivity. I think that they believe that they can they can do whatever they need to. And that Raiders game was a prime example. And you know, there have been times where Burrow has thrown for around 150 yards, and it hasn't really been sexy. And then you've got games where he's you know throwing for 500 and 400, and, and being one of the, the most productive and efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think the Bengals for the last couple of years, there's definitely been an inability. To, to maybe be multidimensional, and we've, I think they've been pretty predictable. And now when they brought in Frank Pollock, who was the offensive line coach uh, previously, uh, brought him back in point of the wide zone scheme, put Burrow under center a little bit more, there's more of a threat that the Bengals can be a more balanced offense, and it's something that they strive to be uh, during Zach Taylor's tenure. So I, I think that Nixon is plenty capable of being that kind of guy and putting up a 100-yard game if they need him to. I think it's going to just be a matter of how the Bengals feel like the game is going to go. Uh, I could see a scenario where they, they go with Nixon early and see what they're going to get because, like I said, you want to try to limit when you've got really good edge rushers, and the, and the Raiders definitely mm-hmm. have that, and the Bengals have not been able to protect Burrow all that well this season, if we're being honest. You know, trying to see what they can get on the ground and seeing if they can control the game may be the best option. So it's going to be a really fascinating chess match uh, between Gus Bradley Zach Taylor and and these two teams. Yeah, it it should be interesting, you know, and sticking with uh, Joe Mixon, do you think because of the the weather, as I I was doing some research, it looked like it's going to be around the 28s, 29s, and some snow. Do you think that they may lean on Mixon a little bit more because of the weather? Yeah, you know, that's a a possibility. But the other factor is, too, is that that the Bengals know how to throw the ball in this kind of weather. You know, are the Raiders going to be able to handle that? You know, they play indoors. They just built that lovely indoor facility. I'm very jealous as someone who has to stand outside and watch practice in the cold or with no gloves sometimes, it's it a little chilly out here in Cincinnati. So, uh, you know, Q and I have been in Texas, and basically any, any high school that's worth their salt, they find a way to build an indoor facility. Mm-hmm. The Bengals have not come around yet. Maybe we'll get them to the high school level in Texas at some point uh, down the line. But for this week, the Bengals have pointed out that it, it's been an advantage for them because you know, they, they practice in the elements, they play in the elements, the ratings necessarily don't. So, you know, I think that there's a thought that, you know, perhaps if they can figure out the way to manipulate that in their favor, you know, that could be a significant advantage. So while the Bengals can run the ball with Nixon, you know, if Burrow is, is feeling good and can throw it in this weather, which is something he grew up doing being from Southeast Ohio, you know, that could be a, a pretty big X factor in this ball game. I know that they held out some starters at the end of the season, the last game against Cleveland, due to just, well, I mean, it was already where they already knew where they were going. They didn't have to worry about it. They already won the AFC North, and, and also they're trying to get healthy. So where are they right now as far as health goes? 
honestly, this might be one of the healthiest teams in the NFL. I think the fact that they rested a ton of guys in that game against Cleveland, you know, allowed a lot of players who were kind of mixed up to, to get some rest and, and Burrow, you know, didn't even make the trip. They've kept him, you know, safe and, and really, you know, they had a big COVID burst, uh, you know, last couple of weeks, but it's, it's died down. Now everybody's back on the active roster. So if you're Cincinnati, you're in a really good situation. You're going to have basically almost all your primary starters that you would like to have on the field. And, and you know, they've done a really good job of, of making sure that they follow COVID protocols, which is a big part of being a successful team during this pandemic. That's something that you've got to take care of if you want to be uh, competing at a championship level. And by and large, the Bengals have done that. So right now, I think that there are going to be no excuses. The Bengals are a considerable favorite. Last I checked, they were a six-point favorite according to Caesars. And so I think that there are, you know, for the Bengals, it's not, oh, are they going to be able to do it and finally break this playoff drought? I think there's an expectation at home with the healthy team, given the form that they've had going into the end of the regular season, there should be a team that advances to the divisional. Talking right now with Ben Baby, talking all things Bengals here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I wanted to ask you about Zach Taylor and how he's evolved. What, how have you witnessed him evolve as a head coach? And looks like he's got those guys playing really uh, loose and free and having a lot of fun out there. Yeah, you know, I, I think he's done a good job of, of kind of figuring out what, what things to do, what not to do. Um, you know, figuring out how, how the scheme should evolve and what it should look like. You know, catering to maybe some of the strengths around around the team, and I think he's he's done a really good job of letting Burrow kind of do what he needs to do. Then when they drafted him with the first overall pick in 2020, they understand that they're getting a really smart guy who can make a lot of good decisions. And and Zach wants the quarterback to have some authority and really have confidence at the line of scrimmage. And Burrow's definitely taken that and become more of a leader this year. Uh, you've seen it over the last couple of years. I think that the Bengals have. Have, have made it a point to, to find guys who, who really want to be bought into this rebuild and they've done a good job of overhauling the roster. And a lot of these key players on this team that were here in 2019 when, this, when the Bengals went 2-14, and 14, like Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd, they've kind of stuck with it through the lows and, and they've really been a big reason why the locker room culture is what it is and why the team has played really hard these last three years for Taylor. So I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how it shakes out, but you know, at the beginning of the segment, you talked about coaches that lost their jobs this week and kind of maybe some things that didn't go right. And, and I think Zach Taylor, there was going to be a lot of pressure on him after six wins in the first two seasons. And for them to come out, you know, go 10-7, and seven, win the AFC North, and really have a shot at winning the conference says volumes about the work that they not only did this season, but the, the work in preceding years to kind of build the foundation this playoff run. Talking all things Bengals right now with Ben Baby from ESPN.com here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man demond has got a question for you. Yeah, Ben, I see the tweet that Zach Taylor, he gave you some advice about the winter and he's wearing four undershirts. Are you going to follow his <laughs> advice about layering up and maybe wear four undershirts like he is? Ben's from Texas, man. <laughs> Listen, man, I, I, I'm all for wearing four shirts. That's fine. If you got to be out there, if I, I, you know, I've got a good coat. Like People ask him, like, this is my first season out here in Cincinnati. This is year three. I, I, I feel like I can handle it. You know, it's just that you got to be prepared for the elements. And if you got to wear four shirts, you got to wear a good coat. I'll tell you what, for 2019, the first time we moved here, uh, my wife and I from Texas, we said, oh, you know, it's, it's going to be cold. And we understood that. The second it hit 32 degrees, we said, oh, no, no, no. This is a different kind of cold. We immediately got in the car went to Dillard's and bought the warmest coat we could possibly find. <laughs> so since then, we felt like that's the approach to take, and uh, it, it's worked out pretty well. So, you know, Zach had some story about he was playing, you know, in the CFL, and he wore he was wearing like a ski glove to throw the ball. And I said, yeah, if that's the point, I, I am playing. We've got to pay me a lot of money 
to be doing that. So right. I, this is about as far north as I'm willing to go. I heard that. Hey, I, I agree with you 100%. I remember those uh, sideline days at covering Texas high school football. I used to have a mask on and hand warmers and everything else to stay warm, man, because it got cold and crispy out there. But it's a different kind of cold there in Cincinnati. So uh, I don't, uh, I'm not jealous of you at all, Ben. <laughs> so, hey, good stuff. Do you got anything coming out on ESPN.com that folks can be on the lookout for that, uh, you know, maybe give them some more updates on what's going on with the Bengals? Yeah, you know, we're going to have a big uh, uh, preview special on ESPN+, Plus. you know, looking at the AFC and the NFC, hosted by Dan Graziano, Lindsey Theory, and Mike Reese. I'll be on there talking about this AFC playoff picture. And we've got a story on that curse of Bo Jackson on ESPN.com that should be dropping in the next couple of days. So keep an eye out for both of those things. Hey, great stuff, Ben. It's always good to catch up with you, my man. I do appreciate you. Stay warm and enjoy the game on Saturday. Hey, sounds good. Y'all take care. All right, there he goes. Ben Baby does a great job of covering the Bengals like a glove. And, again, I go back to uh, Texas with him when he was covering the Texas A&M Aggies. And, yeah, uh, the cold in Texas is way different than the cold in Cincinnati, I'll tell you that. And (laughs) I'll tell you, dog, it was tough for me being on the sidelines when it got cold and real crispy. One time a coach came up to me. It was Delbert Kelm. I'll never forget. He came up to me and said, you look like you're cold. And he said, you know, old, old Southern, you know, slow and everything. You look like you're cold, son. I said, because I am, coach. He said, it ain't cold out here. It's brisk. I was like, coach, you can't even spell brisk, man. It is cold out here. What are you talking about? By the time you finish talking, your lip then froze up. It's, it's way colder where Ben's at right now in Cincinnati. So uh, as I was making my plans to go there, I was preparing for it to be very cold. Now that they have shifted and changed, and I don't have to worry about that, I, uh, I'm going to stay here in Las Vegas and stay warm. Matter of fact, speaking of Las Vegas and staying warm, I'm going to tell you what we'll be doing on Saturday in preparation for the game, during the game, and how you're going to be involved in it. We'll tell you that next here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. 2.49 is the time. About 10 minutes left in hour number one of the show. We'll kick off hour number two with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle talking all things NFL. Did want to tell you about Saturday morning, though. Why plans have changed. I'm no longer going to Cincinnati. I'll be at the M Resort. Every single home game... I've done the show we call Q's Kickoff. It's the pregame to the pregame show. So I do about an hour, hour and 15 minutes sometimes. Damon will join the show. Sometimes Vinny joins the show. We had Michelle Tafoya on the show on Sunday. Matter of fact, just found out today that Michelle Tafoya is going to retire after the Super Bowl. Her last Sunday night football game on the sidelines is going to be the Super Bowl. So we got one of the last interviews with Michelle Tafoya. She's only got about a month left and she's retiring. So there's there's something. But, uh, yeah, we, we always have some good guests on the show, and it's right there from the torch uh, on, the, uh, on the Coors Light Landing at Allegiant Stadium. Well, what we're going to do on Saturday, because this is a big deal that the Raiders are in the playoffs, and we want to make sure that all of Las Vegas has an opportunity to come out and hang out with us, we're inviting you to come out to the M Resort. The show that I do, Q's kickoff, will start at 10.30. It'll lead up to JT The Brick and Eric Allen for the official pregame show starting at 1130, which will lead all the way up to kickoff at 130. And then the sticks will be passed to Brent and Lincoln Kennedy. And we'll have a watch party. We'll sit there and have a watch party. We'll have a good time. A lot of good food. A lot of good drinks. Go play that triple-double diamond if you want. I know exactly where it's at. Got the Raider Tavern right there. I mean, there's everything that you're going to want to do. You can hang out with us. I'll bring some t-shirts and stuff. We'll get some stuff out. And DeMond will probably make an appearance and go strolling through there like he likes to do. You know, everyone's got, you know, there's a, 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 not a story about you, but you know that uh, everyone's saying that you're a, you're a double, 
a stunt double for Josh Jacobs. It's the most. Have you heard that? I've heard, oh, I heard it all night. Okay. That black hole party. People on were Saturday. people were uh, saying that yesterday at the Oyo. They're like, "Man, does Demond look like Josh Jacobs?" And I was like, "Yeah." When he gets his haircut, every time when you get your haircut and you have your mask on, I can see I can see what they're talking about. Oh man, people were coming up to me like, "But you're not oh, as tall as Josh Jacobs." I know, so that's another thing too. And it was a, a real funny one. Was like someone like they noticed me. Hey, Demond, Demond, yeah. and they want to take a picture. It's like, yeah, man, I'll take a picture. Which right. no problem. Thank yeah. you for listening. All that good stuff. Yeah. And then someone else all drunkenly was like, "Are are you him?" <laughs> I'm like, "No, I'm not him. I know who you think. I'm not. No, I'm not him." But he, but he's you see a, a random fan want to take a picture with me. Right. It's like, oh, what would Josh? No, no, no. Why would he be here? That's funny. Like, like, but it was just like no. And then he's like, no, I think you are. That's like, hilarious. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Demond is Josh Jacobs' little stunt double. That is hilarious. But yeah, no, I heard that a couple times. People were asking me at Oyo yesterday, uh, does Demond look like? It? And I said, well, when he gets his haircut and and uh, and you have your mask on, you do you have a little. I can see it then. They did. They even did it at the uh, autograph signing. Remember that? Oh yeah, at that's the right. Four, at the that's Ford dealership, right. a couple yep. of them, they were like, "Hey man, you know he's been here signing a lot of autographs. Maybe you can go be a stand-in." <laughs> Nobody would notice. Nobody. That's funny. That is hilarious. Yeah, well, the other thing about that, people think they see you everywhere. When I was doing, uh, well, after Q's kickoff on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium, you weren't with me. But uh, after that, uh, I was standing there and I was talking to some Raiderettes on Coors Light Landing. I started talking to my buddy, Most Known Unknown, who's he's actually called the show a couple times. Anyway, he's from Philly, right? He was in for the game and he had one of his buddies with him. So, you know, it was us, us three black dudes, right? So we're talking, and somebody comes up randomly and was like, Q, hey, what's up, man? I listen all the time. I was like, oh, cool, thanks. And he's like, can I take a picture? And I said, yeah. And so he looks towards one of the guys, big, tall, black dude, and he goes, Damon, can you take the picture for us? <laughs> yeah, he's always around. He's got to be at least one <laughs> of these guys, right? <laughs> If that's Q, that's got to be Damon. Yeah, he always, maybe that short thing is just a joke on the show. Right, hey, right. Because <laughs> he did find the tallest dude to say Damon. No, he really is short. <laughs> I was like, no, that's not. Oh, never mind. Did it's you take all the good. picture? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I figured it would take too, it would take too long to explain. I was like, no, nah, no, it's not him. It's another guy. <laughs> well, you know, just to be thought of, you know, it's an honor. Hey, man, look, you got people, you got people thinking about you. So you're right. It is absolutely an honor. Uh, on the text line, I was asking the question: In this four game win streak that the Raiders have been on, who? Has improved the most, or what unit has improved the most? We got a text from Glenn, Glenn from San Jose, 69187, keyword R&R. Q and what's most improved in the last four games is the belief system. The team just looks more confident. When a team goes down to an injury, the next one steps up. The 1-0 belief is working, and if they stick to that, the season won't be over by a long shot. And that's, that's why we throw these questions out there, because I would have never came up with that one. I wouldn't have. I, I mean, you could have asked me the same question 12 times. I would have never came up with that answer. But it's good because they do look like they believe. They look like they believe in each other. They look like they believe in their coaching. They look like they believe in, in what they're doing and that they can win. It's something to you. You can't go into the game thinking you're, you, you're not going to win. You've got to go into the, every single game thinking that you're the baddest dude on the field. Even if you're not, you got to go out there and think you're the baddest dude in the field to give yourself a chance. You just have to. Something else to go along those lines. Remember after, I think it was the Washington football team lost, Rich Bisaccia, he's like, well, we're not worried about the, the scoreboard. And people are like, what do you mean you're not worried about the right. scoreboard? But I do kind of think that that falls in line with that, that belief system, where it's just like, okay, well, obviously the points are going to come or the wins are going to come if the team just keeps going. If we're doing what yeah, we're supposed to be doing. Just doing your job every that makes day, sense. Going, in, do, going in doing the work. I didn't I didn't like that answer. I'll be the first to tell you. I didn't like that answer when he said that it's not about you know the, the results. If we live by the scoreboard, then, then that's all you're, you're, you're living by. And I didn't really like that answer. But, you know, now that you say it that way, it makes a little bit more sense. 
I, I still don't know if that's the answer I like, but it makes more sense. I mean, again, if you go out there and you execute and you're doing everything you're supposed to do, then to your point, the wins will come. And they have the last four weeks. And it hasn't been the prettiest thing, but pretty don't matter. You know, pretty at 2 a.m., pretty at 12 in the afternoon. It don't. I mean, it's all the same, right? A dub's a dub. You take them how you can get them. Got a text that I like Teamer. He has that old school Romanowski feel. It's that fine line of a dirty player. I hate you because you play for the other team personality. That's what they liked about him in camp. You know, Gus Bradley was familiar with him already, but that's what they really liked about him when he was in camp and going up against the Rams. He was the guy that was in the middle of stirring all the mess up with the Rams. And we all remember they had some real deal dust ups to the point where they had to just call practice. All right, the hell with it. You guys go back to wherever you got to go and you guys go do your thing. Uh, we're out of here. So, yeah, team, Teamer's got a little edge to him. Uh, I like Divine Diablo. I think he's continued to improve each and every week. I mean, look, Corey Littleton just about an afterthought. Not trying to be disrespectful, just calling it how it is. Divine Diablo's out there playing, and he's got speed. What I was talking about that national championship game, you saw a lot of speed out there. Divine Diablo's got speed, and he don't mind putting the wood on somebody. He don't mind hitting you at all. All day Raider A said the group that has stepped up is by far the linebacker group. There you go, talking about Divine Diablo. They weren't even on the team in training camp, and now they're one of the most important groups on the team. Mailman Raider Max, another mailman listens to the show, ever since Divine Diablo became a starter, the Raiders' defense has improved dramatically. It's a good point. And with great, thing, great minds think alike, clearly. I was thinking the same thing when it came to Divine Diablo. And then another one, and we'll take a break. Sir Whiskey Ray said, Q&D, my guy who's improved the last four games, Zay Jones. He's definitely picked up his game. Zay is averaging nearly t- nine targets a game and 66 yards per game. Without his improved play here late in the season, who knows? Got to give Zay props for his play. There's a video that's out right now where he was interacting with the coaches and interacting with fans on Sunday night at Allegiant Stadium. And I think it was the wide receivers coach, uh, Edgar Bennett. I believe he was telling Zay Jones just randomly like, hey, man, I appreciate you. And Zay said, why, coach? And he said, I just do. And they said, okay, I appreciate you too. Then Rich Basaccia was going down the sideline and he was talking to all the players. He was saying something, saying something to each one of them and said something like, you know, go get it, Zay, or something. And Zay grabbed him and brought him in close and said, you're doing a good job, coach. And then just kept it moving. So that relationship that he has with these coaches and the way that they respect him goes back to what Sir Whiskey Ray was saying about Zay, which goes back to what Derek used to say about Zay, which goes back to even what Gruden said about Zay, how everyone loves him. They love his work ethic. That's another one of the coaches came up to him, said the hardest working dude in, in football. That's what he called him. And I'll tell you right now, people say, you know, hey, Q, you're the hardest working guy in radio. And they say it jokingly. But I take that with so much pride. I mean, that is the best compliment you could ever give me. If you could ever tell me that, hey, I'm the hardest working dude in anything, then I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. That'll, that, that's fine with me. That's the only compliment I need. You can tell me the show sucks, but you work hard. I'll be okay with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm fine with that because at least I know I'm doing everything I can. When a coach goes up to Zay Jones and said, you're the hardest working wide receiver in football, that's, that's got to mean a lot. That means a ton. So I'm not sure exactly where that video is. I'm sure the Raiders have probably tweeted it out. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool to check out. 2.58 is the time when we come back. We'll kick off hour number two of the show. We'll be talking to John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.